Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome to Good Friday, Church. Is that my dummy, Haley? I don't need that. You'll have a baby soon. Uh, they're getting married in a month, so church etiquette means that we have to pressure them to having kids. Um, if you're new or visiting with us this morning, welcome, welcome. A huge welcome to our kids. Again, parents, if they get too rowdy, head into the cafe. Someone will make you a baby chino for them and you can get a little cup and they can drink that. And, uh, but it's good to be together and celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus and that through him, the game was changed forever. So what I'm going to do this morning, uh, we have a shortened service. We're going to finish with communion uh, shortly, uh, celebrating what Jesus did on the cross. But I'm going to bring us around the Word of God this morning. But if you're new or visiting, relax, chill out. It's going to be a good morning. We pray that God would speak to you this morning. On behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Brian Charlie, welcome to Celebration Church. So we're going to look at some scriptures together, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to talk about a very formative years in all of our lives. Puberty. Because it's Good Friday, it's the best time to talk about puberty. As I'm finishing up in youth ministry, I'm reflecting on all of those years, what it is to be a teenager, so we're going to talk about, and we're going to relive some of those moments for all of us, the most awkward stage of any of our existences. So it's going to be good. We're going to look up to our screen. We're going to look at... Um, I want to draw our attention to the 56 words that the four Gospels um, give us an account of Jesus saying from the cross. He didn't, uh, it's not like Matthew 5, 6, and 7 where there's a whole bunch. There's 56 different words we see across the four Gospels of the things that Jesus said in this moment that we are remembering today. And I want to draw our attention to some of those things this morning. And I want to not only uh, remember and celebrate what Jesus did, but also take the truth of the moment so that we can be equipped in our faith to know what we should do when we're experiencing pain and suffering and dark moments. So, we're going to look up to our screen. I'll read these verses for us. Uh, in Matthew 27 and in Mark 15, we have this account of Jesus saying these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are probably some of the um, seemingly dark emotions that Jesus speaks. By this, we've got moments of uh, in the garden, we have moments of Jesus wept, we have these moments, but it almost seems, we'll get into why it's not, where Jesus is having um, a, quite a challenging moment. In Luke 23, verse 34, 43, and 46, we see these other words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Speaking of the people that are participating in the murder of the Son of God. And he is speaking forgiveness in the moment that often all of us would speak vengeance or, or justice or I don't know. Jesus is choosing to speak forgiveness to those that are murdering him. Verse 43 says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. These are the words that Jesus um, utters to bring hope to one of the men that was being crucified next to him. Even in Jesus's crucifixion and pain and suffering and passion, he has this moment where he speaks hope to someone that desperately needs 
hope. Verse 46 says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Amplified Translation uh, implies it. I voluntarily give my spirit over to you, Father. And then in John 19, verse uh, 26, 28, and 30, we have these words. Uh, woman, the NIV puts in brackets that woman is not an offensive term at the time. So when he's speaking to his mother, it's not woman, it's Woman, I, I don't know how to phrase it so you can understand it. Um, woman, here is your son, speaking of the disciples. And then to the disciples, here is your mother. He's actually lining his mum up to be looked after like good sons do. Um, can I get some mama's boys? Can I get an amen from the mama's boys? Can I get an amen from the mums that wish they had a mama's boy? Okay, yeah. Don't say it, Joel. Okay. I love censoring myself now. I'm getting older now that I can censor myself. Um, and John 19, verse 28, uh, Jesus utters the words that I am thirsty. And then finishing at verse 30, this phrase that we remember on today, probably more than these other 56 words or these other 53 words, that it is finished. That what Jesus had to do what was required to fulfill this component of Scripture is now finished, that the game has changed, that there is a new pattern to follow, and that through His sacrifice, His blood, His body, we are made completely new. The Christmas celebrates God, heaven invading earth, but Easter celebrates us having a fresh opportunity to invade heaven. It is the flip side of the testimony. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into this thing and that will be good. Can we pray? Is that okay? And then Nat, you can relax. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you paid a price that only you could pay. Thank you that without you, we're not adopted in. But with you, you welcome us. Do you wash our sins that we are completely made new? And this morning, God, I pray there would be a fresh revelation. And across this whole weekend, there would be a fresh and deeper revelation and foundation of who you are, Jesus. That our gaze would be fixed upon you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. As a retiring youth pastor, I'm spending time considering my youth ministry years. I walked through our doors, it was actually the multi-purpose room, uh, when I was 14 in 2004, and now 18 years later, I am leaving I, I, there was a few more years than I thought. Normally, it's like six years of high school. I've been in high school for a very long time. Um, but I've been thinking about um, those years because the teenage years of your life, are you becoming, uh, turning from a child to an adult via being a hormone monster? Like, that's the teenage years. If you can't remember your teenage years, it was trying to work out whether you should date someone or punch them. Like, that was, like, no. Um, where you're like, I don't know what's happening. You, you see someone, you're anxious. You, the, the pressure of peer pressure is real. There's new things that youth are facing, but we have all faced the teenage years of awkward anxiety, where you are a, you're a monster. If you're a teenager in this room, it's okay to just feel like, I'm a hormone monster. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You go through these moments of 
How do I fit in? How do I try and impress this person that in reality in two years' time I'll never speak to ever again? If you're in high school right now and are trying to impress that person, don't worry, in two years you'll probably never see them again. Can I get an amen from the adults in the room that try to impress someone that you can't even remember them anymore? Um, you just look them up on Facebook to make sure that you're doing better than them. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, we wouldn't do that. But there's these years of kind of this in-between where there's things that can help um, teenagers, community helps, mentorship helps, uh, having a safe place, a smart parent, um, uh, a healthy community can help them grow. But really, um, maybe it was just for me, your teenage years is kind of like holding on, waiting for it to pass. <laughs> no, just for me. Um, you there's hair on your back, you don't know how it got there. There's hair on the bottom of your feet, you don't know how it got there. But there's this, this moment of being like, this is challenging, this is difficult. And often with young people, I've found over the years, I'm just trying to help them to realize this isn't the end. Like you're not going to be in this forever. Like the stresses and the anxiety of that 500 word assessment and you feel like if you don't do it, you're going to end up on the streets selling your toenails to something like there's this catastrophizing that can happen in this transitional years. That really what we're trying to help young people do is just be patient and let the moment pass. And this morning I want to bring us around a truth about what is occurring here with Jesus on the cross. That he is not only the Prince of Peace, but he is actually the Prince of Patience. So what we see from Jesus on the cross is more than him just being in a moment. It is him responding because he has a bigger picture concept of what is happening. That he's, he's saying things like, forgive them, they do not know what they do, because he has a bigger perspective of what is actually occurring. And we're going to go back to these verses on the screen with some little red highlighting here. These are the verses uh, that we just looked at, but the red is actually quotes from Psalms. There's both Psalm 31 and Psalm 22. These words at the beginning of this four account of these Gospels, the first words that Jesus um, says is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is actually Psalm 22 verse 1. He doesn't read all of the 30, 40 verses there, but he says these words that at the time they would have context to understand this is more than Jesus having a dark moment being like he feels completely forsaken by God. Why is Jesus doubting? He is actually prompting a longer thought. And actually these final ver this final statement that it is finished is the final verse of Psalm 22. So the beginning is this statement of my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But like many Psalms, they take a, quite a journey. Many Psalms start with these moments of like, crush, crush, destroy, destroy. And then it ends with, God, I trust you. <laughs> like, why am I alone? Why do I feel this way? But the God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will turn this thing around and the generations will praise him and he is good. It takes a trajectory. It goes on a, a journey. That was a hairball, don't worry. It wasn't a hairball. I don't have hairballs. Can I get an amen for everyone that doesn't get hairballs anymore? In puberty, you get hairballs. No, you don't. Teenagers don't fear. You're okay. Um, we, have, uh, we have this truth that Jesus is quoting this passage of Scripture that if we look at it and we're going to in a moment, actually it's a messianic psalm. It's like Psalm 2, Psalm 102. 
104 maybe or 105 and Psalm 22 are three key psalms speaking of different parts of Jesus' journey. There's more, but we'll focus on those three. We're going to look at Psalm 22 and a few verses that should help us understand the experience that Jesus is having. He is well aware of a bigger picture. The other verses that are in Psalms, between these two verses that he quotes, verse 7, it's saying that... um, They sneer and shake their heads. Verse 8, speaking of this moment of the crucifixion, hundreds of years before, approximately 400 to 500 years before, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let him save, let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. How did Jesus endure so much pain? I don't know why that is there. That is a random thought in my notes. Um, Verse 14 says, my life is poured out like water. Verse 16 says, my enemy surrounds me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Again, context church, hundreds of years earlier, he is thinking of this psalm. Verse 17, I can count all of my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. And verse 18, they divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Jesus, in this moment of obedience to what God has asked him to do, is remembering the truth that there is more than the moment, but but it's being fulfilled. Scripture is being fulfilled. You and I are having a way back to the Father through Jesus, and he is thinking and meditating, not on the people that are hurting him, but he's meditating on the fact that this is a part of something bigger. I want to give you the truth this morning to help you um, um, understand how he did this. And the truth is the big, can I move me on, Alan? The big picture brings big patience. Church, let me remind you this morning, if you are going through pain and suffering and difficulty and you find yourself going around in a circle again or it feels like you're walking through a valley, let's remember that if we can get a bigger picture We will have the ability to do what the Son of God did, which is not react, not play a seesaw with the people. Do you know who I am? They're accusing him of being the king of the Jews. Yes, I am the king of the Jews. Yes, I like he's not fighting. We talked about it last week, not seesawing, getting on and just having an argument for argument's sake. Jesus is withdrawn from those things. And he has this bigger picture. Can I encourage you this morning to stop and pause and not just consider the dark verses of Psalms in your own life, but to consider the bigger picture. Can we go to our next slide, Alan? That'd be awesome, bro. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, we see how Jesus endured the cross. We see how he went through this suffering. It says this in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, speaking of the heroes of the faith in the chapter previous, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Can everyone say perseverance? The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Here's the verse, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
How did Jesus have this moment? How did Jesus react in a way that was kingdom and, and higher and bigger? That even in his quoting of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How is he gaining this bigger perspective to understand that it is finished? It is this moment of realizing no matter what pain he went through and what pain you go through, it is not the end of your story. That even if it feels like a chapter is finished, the book is not over yet. And even when it, your natural book is over and you pass from this world to the next, it is still happening. Like you're still moving closer to God. There is more than what you see. There is more than what is going on around us naturally. Can we get our next verses? I want to look at the final verses in this psalm that Jesus is quoting this morning. And it says, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and His rules over the nations. All of the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him. Are those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve Him Future generations will be told about the Lord. And in verse 31 in the Amplified, it says this. Next slide, Alan. It says, They will come and declare His righteousness to people, uh, to a people yet to be born, that He has done it and that it is finished. The journey of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And my clothes are being divided and my shame and they're accusing me and, and they're mocking me and they're tearing me apart and it feels painful and the suffering seems too great. Then he goes on this journey of being like, no, but there's something on the other side. The generations will testify that God is good, that he is faithful. They will buckle at the knees and bow to the King of Kings, that he has a perspective through his suffering and church. Today of all days, may we grant, gain perspective about our own suffering. I said it last Sunday that um, we get caught up in like our persecution or our suffering is nothing compared to a, a thousand years ago or a different nation. But just because you have two broken legs and I have one broken leg, it doesn't mean my leg isn't broken. Like the suffering and the things that you walk through, God's eyes and his gaze and his ear are tuned in and he is looking at you and he understands. Romans describes in the view of God's mercy to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and that mercy is his compassion to us. It is his empathy towards us. His mercy upon all of us. Today of all days, let us stop and understand that storms pass crucifixion moments end, that pain and what we walk through in our journey is not everything. The title of the paragraph or the chapter is not all of your life. And if you can pause and zoom out and see Psalm 22 for what it is, which is less of us and more of Him, which is not my will, Father, but your will, Father, which is not all eyes on me, it's all eyes on you. <laughs> so they wouldn't praise me as so they would praise you that I'm willing to be the underdog, that Christ is willing to be born in human flesh, that he's willing to be mocked by sinners, endure it all for the glory of the Father. Yes, let's celebrate that it is finished, that we have a way back to Jesus, but let's also understand he is giving us a blueprint for our own suffering and pain.
to not ignore it, but to see beyond it. If I can get um, our next slide, Alan, that'd be awesome, bro, as we land this thing. And Natty, you can jump up because we're about to do communion. Um, Host, we won't hand it out just yet, um, but we will in a second. I want to give you a simple declaration in the midst of maybe your cross or your pain or your suffering. Three things that I so clearly see in these 56 words that Jesus is ushering. If you can say um, these things, if you can go to that next thing, Alan, that'd be awesome, bro. Oh, did I miss one? Oh, you saved me, bro. Go back to that other thing. Yeah, yeah, let's go here. No, let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's stay here. This is just the straight lineup of those 56 words, the first words said in the gospel and the last words of the gospel and Psalm 22, just as a reminder. So verse 27, uh, sorry, chapter 27, verse 46 of Matthew and Psalm 22, verse 1, read exactly the same. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then John 19 lines up with 22, verse 31 in Psalm this way. John says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and voluntarily gave up his spirit. And Psalm 22 verse 31 says, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it and that it is finished. This should just be such a foundational thing of our faith that the cross is not a surprise to God, but was always his plan that those around were just fulfilling a scripture and other scriptures that were uttered many years ago. We know that this doesn't fulfill all of the scriptures, that it is finished is a moment of it, but we, as Mark spoiled, ruined Easter Sunday, ruined it, and told us all about the resurrection days too early, Mark. You spoiled the whole movie. What are we going to do for the next two days? I'm not even coming on Sunday now that I know. Church, we all go through these things. I'm thankful that Jesus paid an ultimate price for our salvation and I'm thankful that now we can look to him and remember that when we go through it, that there's a better way of responding. There's a better way of living. Can I get that declaration, Alan? I know, sorry, back one. And back another, yeah, there we go. If we could declare this in our moments of feeling impatient that things aren't working out, the greatest purifier of our motives is time. It is waiting. If we could say these things, that I will not fight in the flesh. Jesus is not hurling abuse back. He's like, how dare I'm going to stand up for the truth of this moment. Do you understand what Psalms 22? Do you understand? No. If we in our own pain could have this patience that I will not fight back in the flesh, I will not seesaw, I will look up and I will endure. Just be patient, church. He is not done yet. He is turning things around in your family, in your health, in your circumstance. And even if he doesn't do it here, have faith that the heroes of the faith held that they, they believed against all odds, that even they didn't see it naturally. There were so many things they just saw from a distance. Let's have that type of faith this morning. I want to give you two truths before we come around communion this morning. And it's these two things. That He shows us to be patient, that our crosses and our pain are not our endings. 
That Jesus saying that it is finished. We know the story, how it unfolds, what happens in a few days' time, what happens for the next 40 days, and then what happens for the next 2,000 years. Like we're on the other side of this thing. We should understand your cross, your pain is not your ending. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the moment. Don't believe the excuses and the hurling that is occurring. Believe that God isn't done yet. And this other truth is this one here. Be patient because even when it is finished, he isn't finished. That a moment is in completion here with a suffering and the price is being paid, but Jesus overcame the grave shortly after. Something could be finished in your life this morning, church, but he's not done with you. Take another breath. Next Sunday, I want to be showing around the importance of being an underdog, that what you do after you fall over makes the whole story it's the comeback. It's what you do when you're four. It's you quickly get back up and lean into his mercy. You don't stay down there in your shame and your pity and your guilt. You receive and you repent for your sin. You turn back to God and you move closer into him. This morning, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes um, just for a moment before we come around communion as we close. So before we take this moment, I just want to give an opportunity. If there's anyone in this place that just feels that they need to get right with God, that just feel they need to respond in this moment to the simple truth that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and my sin, and that we can respond to that sacrifice, make Him our Lord and Savior, and have the game changed forever. Maybe this morning you've never heard about Jesus before, and this is the first moment Let me let you know that he died and overcame everything that is there to oppose you. He died and overcame the rebellion in your own heart that separates you from him. And that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you submit your life to him and turn from your sin and turn from your ways, he will accept you and the journey will begin of intimacy with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one that knows you. Or maybe in this place you once did make that decision, but you have been caught up in other things. And you have found yourself separated from his heart. Maybe, maybe you've made some mistakes and fallen over and feel a distance and feel a gap. And this morning you want to recommit and you want to access what Jesus did to close that gap. With every single eye closed this morning, if that's you and you'd like me to pray with you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are so I can pray with you. Is there anyone that needs to get right with Jesus this morning? Awesome. I see that hand. You can chuck it down. Is there anyone else that needs to make that decision between you and God? The most important decision on your life. Awesome. You can chuck that down. Is there anyone else? Awesome. You can chuck it down. I'm just going to ask church, you repeat this prayer with three people that are having a game-changing moment that is stepping through a door and through a window of eternal life with him. Why don't we pray this after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died and conquered the grave. And today I turn from my sin. I repent and I ask that you would accept me as your son or daughter. And today... I make you my Lord and Savior, and I thank you that I'll never, ever, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Why don't we celebrate together this morning? If you made that decision, hopefully our new Christians team saw you. If they didn't, chat to a connect leader or maybe someone that brought you this morning. They can pray with you and help you on your journey with Jesus. It is only the beginning. It's not a one-day moment. It is a continual walk with Jesus. We're going to finish our service with communion this morning. I'm going to ask that our hosts, who look amazing today, they've got gloves on. I'm not sure why. I have no idea, but that's great. Um, and we're going to have a communion. Can I welcome our band up? We're going to have an item this morning, and then we're going to finish with some worship together. Communion is a moment, if you're unaware or new to church life, that uh, we take these two emblems as a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That the liquid in your hand is actually ribena, it's not wine or blood, represents the blood of Jesus. That it was shed for us and that through it we have forgiveness of sin and that the body which is that bread in your hand, that it represents the body of Jesus, that it was uh, given voluntarily so that we could be healed and restored and there's many breakthrough in both the blood and the body. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you uh, just to close your eyes when you receive those emblems. The team is going to lead us around a song. It's actually called Communion, which is quite convenient because this is communion. And I'm just going to ask that you would reflect on these words that maybe the Holy Spirit would do something deeper and more unique on the inside of you. I just want to pray for you in this moment before Nat and the team lead us. Jesus, I would ask in this moment that there would be a deeper, a much deeper, a much, much deeper revelation of what you've done and who you are to us. No matter how long we've been walking with you, we know we don't know it all. So may you take us deeper in this moment. May we understand more of who you are. In Jesus' name. Let's let the worship team just worship over us. Jesus, we just thank you for everything you've done. We exalt your name above every other name. We, we choose to focus all of our attention on you, Jesus. May this moment be more than just a once a year remembrance, but every day that we would pause and stop, remember the great victory that is won because of you. And Holy Spirit, I ask as we leave this place that we would leave with a fresh revelation that in our own suffering, in our own crosses to bear and through our own pain, that there is a greater way that you are turning things around and that our perspective would be one of seated in heaven with Christ in heavenly places far above the things that fight in this world that we would be seated with you in Jesus name celebration church said amen. amen God bless you have an amazing day eat fish or beef or whatever you do and we'll see you on Sunday for resurrection Sunday you'll never know you don't know what's about to happen on Sunday the story takes a turn so we'll see you on Sunday 10 a.m. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.